0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Sometimes being taught something isn't fun. And I'm guessing you can probably think back to at least one time where a parent or a coach or a teacher had to sit you down and instruct you on how to not be the idiot that you'd proven yourself to be. And I can remember my time uh, that somebody did that for me like it was yesterday. My dad had to sit me down for what I actually refer to as the fireside chat. I was in fifth grade and I had gotten into a pretty heated basketball game uh, with one of my friends in our youth basketball league. And I felt he had been pushing me a lot during the game. Things weren't getting called. And finally, on a fast break, I'm going up and he's trailing me and I I make the layup. Uh, but he sort of runs into me afterwards and we both end up uh, sort of in the bleachers. Now, I honestly don't remember doing this, but I guess I pushed him. Uh, as I got up off the bleachers, I pushed him back into the bleachers really hard. And uh, Next thing you know, I'm running down the court and my dad, also my coach, he grabs me at half court in the middle of the court and he pulls me out of the game. Right in the middle of the game. You talk about embarrassing. Uh, but. That really wasn't the worst of it. We got home, uh, we we got in the car, very quiet car ride. He takes me once we get home to the family room and we sit in the chair next to the fireplace and we talked. And he told, really my dad talked, let's be honest. And he told me how he didn't want to see me be that kind of person that I was during that basketball game. He didn't want my anger to be something that distracted from my ability to show people who Jesus is. And let's face it, I, it was a teaching that I needed. It's a teaching that my wife still has to remind me of often, uh, even today. And every time that teaching is reinforced, it's, it's just as hard as it was the first time to hear it. Sometimes it's even harder. Uh, sometimes being taught just isn't fun. But it's also really important. Uh, but I've also found lately, I've been finding that being the teacher isn't always the easy thing either. Uh, Crystal and I, we chose to homeschool our four girls uh, this year, while there's all this uncertainty surrounding the school year. And our youngest, uh, Finley, she's, going, she's in kindergarten. And so as you might guess, we've been kind of working on reading with her. And can I just say, man, it is tough teaching somebody how to read. Like, it's not really because it's hard. It's actually, it's because for an adult, reading is actually so easy. Teaching something that comes incredibly easily to me it's painstakingly hard for me to teach it most of the time and when i'm reading with finley it's like i almost forget that she's got to still sound out every word and i'm like why aren't you reading that word already it's so easy you literally just read it like in the last five pages multiple times and then i start blurting out words uh, when it's taken her longer than i think it should take and teaching is difficult it requires patience you and i We have the best, the most patient teacher of all. Hebrews 4 actually talks about how Jesus is perfect in every way, yet he, while he didn't give in to temptation himself, he has compassion on us in our own struggle. He doesn't come alongside us and shout like, Why haven't you figured it out yet? You messed up that same way two days ago. Jesus just isn't like that. And that's part of the good news about Jesus, who Jesus is. And today, we're, we're beginning this new series at Central that we're calling The Best Good News Ever. And we're going to be talking through stories and truths about the person of Jesus during these weeks. And today, uh, we're going to kind of zero in on the good news centering on Jesus as our teacher. And, and there's three things about Jesus as our teacher that, that we're going to kind of look through in different areas of Scripture this morning. The first thing is about Jesus as our teacher is this. The teaching of Jesus is crucial. Some of you are like, yeah, no, duh. (laughs) Okay, seems pretty basic, right? But just because we know something is crucial doesn't mean that we follow through and act like it's crucial, right? I mean, I know it's crucial to check my tire pressure every week during the winter, but do I? I know it's crucial to stay away from too many sugary foods, but again, do I? I know it's crucial to floss my teeth, but do I? The teaching of Jesus is crucial, but do I actually live like it's crucial? Matthew 9.35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Now, let me ask you this. If you came across some preacher who was teaching a lot and also healing every disease and sickness, how would you describe that person's ministry? Uh, Let me personalize it just a little bit more. If If after this sermon today, somebody came up and you were in this church service in person and somebody came up uh, for healing and they received the healing that they were asking for and praying for. What would you say about church today if someone asked you about it? Would you say, man, Kellen taught taught us a really nice sermon? Or would you say, dude, somebody was healed at church today? We're all going to be talking about the healing, right? Right. that would definitely stand out most in our minds. But Matthew mentions Jesus' teaching before he talks about the healings that Jesus was performing. And that's kind of weird, right? Uh, to me, that says that there must be something remarkable about the teaching of Jesus. What is it that Jesus would have been teaching about? Well, Matthew actually kind of gives some clarity to us. He says that Jesus was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. But you've got to remember that he was preaching in these synagogues to Jewish people, Jewish people who considered themselves God's people. They thought they had a really good grasp on what the Kingdom of God was all about. But in reality, most of them actually had a lot of misconceptions of what Scripture was telling them about the Kingdom of God. Their their Scripture was our Old Testament. And their misconceptions of the point of that Testament was they didn't realize that it was all about Jesus. Their misconceptions were more detrimental to their lives than the physical illnesses that maybe they needed healing for. Jesus' teaching was more crucial than any physical healing that he performed. Being physically healed without the knowledge that it takes to submit to God's true story of the world, it's like giving a child who has a little boo-boo, a band-aid, but not feeding them food or giving them water to drink. You see, the teaching of Jesus, it is our bread and it is our water. Uh, Jesus was weaved in and out throughout the whole story of the Old Testament, but the people that he was teaching to, they didn't see it. They thought that they were born as God's people and that it was their birthright to be God's people. But Jesus came to show them that they actually needed redemption. And the only way they were going to get it was going to come by way of Jesus. The teaching of Jesus is the groundwork that needs to be laid down before you can really build anything that matters. Understanding the good news that Jesus offers to your life, it's essential to thinking right. It's essential to acting right. You know, Jesus might actually need to to teach you about some of the misconceptions that you have about yourself. Maybe you have some crucial things to learn from Jesus right now. Things like, hey, you're not better than everybody else around you. Things like, you know, you cannot make your own way to God. You you need an advocate on your behalf. Or maybe it's on the other end of it. Maybe you need to... He needs to be able to teach you that you're not eternally unlovable. You've been bought at a price. And that price was Jesus' own life. Have you considered the teaching of Jesus to be the most crucial thing that you have to learn about today? Is there a a crucial teaching of Jesus that maybe you're fighting against? You're probably trying to learn things every day if you're like most humans. If learning Jesus' will and plan for your life isn't at the top of that list, might I suggest that your priorities of what's most important might be a bit out of whack? There's another thing about Jesus' as teacher that I think the Bible makes pretty evident for us. And that's this. The teaching of Jesus is compassionate. Let me take you to one of the really famous stories about Jesus in the New Testament. And it's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And at the point in the story that we're going to read, and we're only going to read one verse, but at the point in the story we're going to get to, Jesus had gotten away with his disciples on a boat to find some solitude. But the crowd, they just kept on following him. They weren't walking on water like Jesus, but they followed him. They they essentially, they got to the next boat landing where Jesus was going to and they got there ahead of him. They were hungry to hear from Jesus. And here's what the Bible says happened. Mark 6.34, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Did you catch what happened there? Jesus' teaching comes in response to his compassion on the people. You know, our our lead pastor, David, he he said one time in a meeting, he said it like this. One of the most compassionate things that Jesus does is teach. I really, that really speaks to me. And we know this is true. We teach our children out of the compassion of our own hearts for them. You know, I hated that my dad sat down with me for that fireside chat and addressed my glaring issues that night when I was in fifth grade. But man, am I sure glad that he didn't let me go on thinking that it was okay in a basketball game or in any other situation to act like a jerk. Every time after that, where I acted like a jerk, I have felt the conviction of that conversation. And it was a grace in my life that I felt that conviction or else I would have become numb to my stupidity. It would have become something that that I would have grown to think was okay to do. It was was a true act of compassion for my dad to teach me the right way to live. The compassion of teaching someone uh, that what they think is okay really might not be okay, that could be one of the most important teachings that you can give to someone. You're not always going to like what Jesus has to say to you. You're not going to like what he has to teach you, but it's the compassion for you that he has that gives him the strength to not care whether you like it or not. You see, true love is found when someone is unwilling to let someone else hurt themselves, even if it means making that person mad for a while. The best parents teach hard truths out of compassion for their kids. I'm glad that Jesus chooses to teach me hard truths. If you want a religion that makes you feel good all the time about what you want to do, you probably don't have a religion that's seeking out your best interest. But the compassion of Jesus drives him to seek what's best for you. And it means teaching you some hard lessons along the way. And that's not a sign of an unloving God. In fact, just the opposite. It is the sign of a very loving God. The teaching of Jesus comes to us by way of his compassion. And now there's a third thing I think about Jesus as our teacher uh, that we're going to look at here. And this is the one, this is one where I really think it's a game changer for us. The third thing is this, the teaching of Jesus creates conflict. And there's something about conflict that's healthy, right? You might be a parent and your kids are fighting at home all the time because they never get to leave the house right now because of COVID and us. And you might be like, conflict is awful. But how many of you married couples have had to figure out that conflict, it's hard, but it's a good thing. You've had to learn how to talk and how to, how to work through conflict. Crystal, Crystal and I, man, we didn't get conflict for quite a long time. As I've mentioned before in the past, uh, we started dating at a really young age. I was 16, she was 17. And the hardest thing about dating at that age is that you don't really know yourself. You don't know yourself yet. And so you don't even know how to do conflict well at all. Uh, some people, uh, when conflict comes up, they get defensive immediately, and so they start to yell. Others, they hold on to everything. And in our relationship, uh, CJ and I, we, we, had, we were kind of like the hold everything in type. We wouldn't let it out. And so I want to give you the crazy example of when that happened. Uh, my freshman year of college, she's a sophomore, and we'd been, uh, we'd been at uw Crosse for the entire year. Uh, we've been dating about two years now at this point. And it's probably early March at this time, and Crystal's been... Feeling a certain sense of discomfort for a while in the relationship. And before we go to our weekly InterVarsity Christian Fellowship meeting that was on campus, uh, she wants to talk. And pretty early on in the conversation, I can sense that this, this might be a breakup talk. And it gets, re- gets really quiet very quickly. Uh, both of us were trying to think through exactly how to say what needs to be said without causing too much harm for the other person. And so uh, we talked. For, from I think like 7 p.m. to 3 a.m., and the reason I say talked is because I believe in that time, we might have talked a combined two pages worth of words, like barely anything. It was excruciating, to say the least. Uh, eight of the longest hours of my life, but by the end of it, I had somehow wiggled my way out of her breaking up with me. Uh, but the next morning, uh, she, she put the hammer down, uh, she did break up with me, after sleeping on it and figuring out we, need, we needed that break. It was probably a necessary thing for us for the time being. Um, but obviously it didn't last, right? We got married. Everything's good. But communication is hard. It, it, it was painful for us figuring it out. Sometimes it was ugly. Not that we were yelling, but it's hard. Uh, all because that's what conflict is. Conflict is un- uncomfortable. Uh, but that's what Jesus brings into our lives. Conflict also brings change where it's needed. Something else that Jesus is trying to do in you. Maybe it sounds weird to say that Jesus brings conflict in our lives. But if I'm not letting Jesus create conflict in my spirit, that can actually be a very dangerous thing for my heart. And you might ask why? Because my heart is bent on myself. My heart is selfish. My heart wants what it wants, no matter whether it's hurtful for me or not. Uh, But when there's conflict in my spirit, It means that I'm not just listening to my own inner voice anymore. It means that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, must be speaking truth into my heart, and that truth is creating this tension uh, where things, it's creating tension with the messed up things that are in my flesh, in, in my thinking, in my feeling. So listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. He says, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled, but I have a baptism to undergo. And what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two, two against three. They'll be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter, daughter against mother. mother Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. See, Jesus' way of life is not what everyone is comfortable with so it causes conflict and division have you ever gone against your parents thinking before of course you have is it easy heck no at least not for me uh i might be a bit of a people pleaser when it comes to my parents but uh, there are things that i distinctly remember thinking that were wrong or messed up in some way but my parents thought it was right and so it created such a conflict in me that i forced myself to also think it was right And so you wonder why it's hard for us to change our deeply embedded beliefs and behaviors. It's because the very idea of change brings conflict to our hearts. Jesus is constantly drawing us into conflict with ourselves and with the people around us because we have and they have ideas that are steeped in sinful thinking. And Jesus, wanting to purify us and to make us whole again, he challenges our assumptions and our preconceived ideas about the way the world is. And for many of us, it's easier to turn Jesus off than to deal with the conflict surrounding the change he's calling us to. Have you ever stepped away from church for a while because you were feeling too much conflict in your heart about a change that you felt Jesus was trying to get you to make? Well, if I can just cut off the voice of Jesus in my life, then maybe I can cut off the conflict I'm feeling. That's how the thinking goes. And sometimes I hate the conflict that Jesus wells up in my heart. After I've calmed down from a moment where I've behaved badly and Jesus starts to churn my heart and I find that I won't be at peace until I make an apology, that's never fun. But that's a conflict that I pray never goes away in my heart. If you're at the point where you no longer feel a conflict in your spirit about your behaviors, you might find yourself in a dangerous place where you've completely tuned out Jesus as your prime teacher. It may now be your voice and your voice alone that you're listening to. And that means no conflict. That means that you can do whatever you want without thinking twice about it. And that means that you are the one guiding you and not Jesus. We all need to find a way to embrace the conflict that Jesus brings to our hearts And to submit to him and let him win the conflict. We need Jesus to be our teacher. There's just, there's really no way around it. The world and my own heart simply won't push me to being the me that Jesus wants me to be. Jesus gives no wiggle room. It's his truth or it's no truth at all. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You are not the truth. Your parents are not the truth. Your favorite politician sure as heck ain't the truth. Uh, The accepted norms of society are not the truth. Only Jesus is the truth. That's why I need to find a way to hear his voice and to be a student of what he has to actually say. That's what it actually means to be a disciple of Jesus. The question that we all have to ask ourselves is this. Am I being teachable to the one who is doing the teaching? Have I given Jesus my ear, my undivided attention? Have I created space in my daily life for Jesus' voice to actually be heard loud and clear? Think about that. If you're not finding time to be in the Word or finding time to get into prayer uh, or taking moments to read some gospel-centered author, uh, rather than just scrolling through your social media accounts, how do you think the crucial, compassionate, life-changing teaching of Jesus is ever going to enter your heart? Every day there are voices that are trying to teach you something, but there's only one voice that's true. Every day there needs to be some line of communication that you're opening up for Jesus to be your teacher. Church is a super important part of a person's spiritual development. I I really believe that. Uh, But it's just a part of it. Jesus wants to teach you and grow you all the other six days of the week. Uh, What are you going to do this year To let Jesus be your teacher. How are you going to let him guide you? Uh, I want to actually challenge you today to make a plan. You know, Crystal and I, we've realized that without a plan this year during uh, during this year of homeschooling, not much schooling gets done. So we got to make a plan. When and how will you be quiet with God? uh, Speaking to Jesus, letting him speak to you, uh, when and how will you go about reading scripture? And I'd even challenge you to find three books Uh, at a minimum, three books that you're going to read this year that are heavily gospel-centered. And if you don't know where to start, I'm going to actually give you a a little possible reading list of books that have impacted me where I feel like Jesus has reached through those books and has spoken directly into my life. All right, Uh, for a devotional this year, New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. Uh, the best devotional I've ever read in my entire life. It takes five minutes a day. It's really, it just, it's so gospel-centered. Uh, a biography that you might want to read, uh, Bonhoeffer by Eric Metaxas. Uh, it's about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, a German pastor, living in Germany in the time of, of Nazi Germany. Uh, it, it's just an amazing story that, that brings so much light to what Jesus did in his life. Uh, a shorter book that you might want to read, Prodigal God by Timothy Keller changed the way that I see Jesus when I read that book. Uh, A longer book, The Divine Conspiracy by uh, Dallas Willard. It's kind of a big, thick book uh, uh, and it's hard to get through, but every time I open it up, man, I was highlighting stuff like crazy. Uh, A parenting book that's full of gospel truth. Parenting by Paul David Tripp. Uh, Another Jesus-centered book, Show Them Jesus by Jack Klumpenhauer. And he really shows you how to take the Old Testament and see Jesus in that Old Testament and see Jesus throughout Scripture. If you can't find the time to actually read books, get them on Audible. Get them on some kind of app where you can listen to books. Find a gospel-centered podcast or two and listen to them on your way to work. There are so many ways to let Jesus teach you and to let him create this healthy conflict in your spirit, which enables you to grow in the ways that he wants you to grow. Plan for it. Uh, Put it in your schedule. Think through how much of your extra time in the day goes to your guilty pleasures and your mindless habits. And ask God to help you exchange some of that time for time where you let him teach you. Let's let Jesus be our teacher in 2021. uh, It's tough to learn from even a good teacher if a student isn't willing to step foot in the classroom. Let's step into Jesus' classroom this year. Let's do our part. Let's give him the time and the space to show us more of who he is so that we can become a little bit more like him this year. Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much that you want to teach us, that you want to grow us. God, I pray this year that this would be a year unlike any other where we open ourselves up to your teaching, that we humble ourselves and allow you to speak the hard truths into our lives, to change us and mold us into being who you want us to be. God, help us to make good use of our time. Uh, The time that we have on this earth, it's so limited. God, help us not to waste time. Um, I waste so much time uh, sometimes just scrolling through a social media uh, app when maybe I could be reading a book where you're speaking good things into my heart. Uh, Help us to take more moments like that this year to let you teach us. Help us to be moldable. Help us to be teachable. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.